Good morning. Welcome to the Amber Show's world news and entertainment news and oddity news. Just news. So, a Texas woman, she woke up to her ceiling fan spraying blood only to shockingly discover this is what happened. So, she's at home, right? And she wakes up to her ceiling fan spraying blood and then she looks up and and this is like straight out of a horror movie. So she got the fright of her life after waking up to what she thought was the sound of rain and water dripping onto her face. But the mystery liquid actually turned out to be blood seeping through the ceiling and splattering all over her bedroom from the ceiling fan above. Is that crazy? Her name is Anna Cardenas. She discovered the horror when she turned on the lights at 4 a.m. and found a literal crime scene on her walls, her bed, her furniture, and her body. Oh, she said it grossed her out. She said she was in shock. She thought this wasn't real, that it was a dream. She kept saying to wake up. She called maintenance. They said, are you sure? She kept saying, blood is falling all over me. The terrifying ordeal happened because the El Paso native upstairs neighbor, a man between the age of 50 and 70, had tragically passed away of natural causes about a week ago on the exact spot where her fan was and had begun to decompose. The firefighters knocked down his door and the body was laying exactly where the fan is underneath her. He had carpet, but the blood seeped uh, through to to her ceiling. They took the fan down and a pool of blood just came flushing down. Is anybody else picturing that scene? Remember The Shining? Well, unfortunately, the nightmare didn't end there. She moved into a hotel for a few days following the situation because a horrid odor still lingered and the room filled with flies even though the entire space was disinfected and the ceiling removed. What's even worse is that Anna appealed to her apartment's management team, uh, which is Celio Vista, for compensation for the damaged property and they denied the request. Can you believe that? She said she told them her bed is covered in blood and they, they told her they're sorry, but the insurance won't pay it. Cardina also confessed she was so traumatized by the bloodbath that she can't eat or sleep in her place anymore. She said it was an off, it has had an awful impact on her. So anyway, they've set up a GoFundMe and she, uh, that she created, and she raised more than $11,900 to find a new place and hopefully replace her belongings. The description of the fundraiser, uh, says an unfortunate death occurred in the apartment above mine, which resulted in me being forced from my home with nowhere to go. The apartments are not providing assistance with an alternate housing situation. They even refused to accept our return or return any of my calls. The ceiling was destroyed, and I have been forced to throw away all items covered in bodily functions due to the incident. Oh my God, I still have chills. Just thinking about that. So here's hoping uh, Anna will be able to move past this horrifying incident uh, sometime soon because that is very scary. 
Uh, Snoop Dogg's, uh, this is in entertainment news, uh, you know, I, I switched back and forth. Uh, Snoop Dogg's daughter, uh, she's been opening up about recent mental health struggles that she's had. Um, her name is Corey uh, Brodus. And she took to Instagram over the weekend where she opened up about the uh, her, her mental health struggles over the past last few weeks, uh, revealing that she tried to take her own life. Uh, she said, the last few weeks, my mental has not been so great. At one point, I tried to end my life, but my family really gave me a purpose to live and helped me to realize life is much more than materialistic things. You got to just keep pushing through the bullshit, she wrote. It appears uh, the you who has helped Corey in her time of need is her boyfriend, Wayne Deuce who's seen in several pictures in the uh, in her post on Instagram. So Wayne also shared the same uh, series of photos on his post on Instagram, along with a note on a chalkboard easel in which he wrote, I love you, princess. This time is about us getting our minds right for a better and healthier lifestyle. We ride until the end. So I'm wishing her uh, well, wellness. Um, make sure that you check of those around you and yourself uh, for your, you know, your mental health. And uh, there are many 800 numbers and people you can go to talk to. Uh, mental health awareness, this is Mental Health Awareness Month. And it, it, it you know, it just um, aims to help people understand and normalize the existence of mental illnesses among millions of people uh, that are living here in the United States. So. According to the Mental Health America, the organization that started um, this observation, uh, one in every five American adults will have a diagnosable mental health condition in any given year. Mental health issues have come to the forefront in wake of the COVID-19, especially uh, because people are being very depressed uh, during this time. So make sure you reach out to someone or an organization uh, if you see if see or feel that you have uh, moderate to severe uh, symptoms, okay, so uh, it's very important uh, to know that um, you are not alone. So let me tell you about Martin Lawrence because you know I had heard a lot of stories about Martin Lawrence through um, Tisha Campbell when she was first on Martin. And then as she worked on Martin, uh, she she had quit. And when she quit, I had heard, you know, back then when she quit, you know, she, she gave little snippets about how uh, he was sexually harassing her. But back then, you know, women couldn't really speak out about sexual harassment on jobs because you'll lose your job. Most of the men were in charge or you'll you'll be looked at in the industry whatever industry you're in it could be you could be uh c- cooking at a restaurant you could be a waitress at a restaurant you could be uh a secretary um you could be a teacher whatever you are in the entertainment industry anything um where a woman is able to sp- was able to speak out about the sexual harassment she was getting. You couldn't do it because you end up losing your job, and people wouldn't even believe you half the time. But now it's a new day, you know. Um, women are coming out, and, and they're not holding these secrets that they were sexually um, abused some type of way on their job. You know, um, you were scared to do it before. It was like almost like it was your fault. But now, um, 
Martin Lawrence uh, has been accused uh, of of it again, and uh, and now people are are actually listening. Now, actor comedian Chris Williams. He gave his Instagram followers a wild journey with the story he told about working with Martin Lawrence on the set of Martin. And he's a man, but he's not talking about sexual abuse. He's talking about just cruelty. Uh, in his lengthy February 16th Instagram post, uh, and it went viral on Twitter, uh, Williams, he's the younger brother of Vanessa Williams. He detailed what it was like working with the comedian, which according to him was a terrible experience. He said, this was one of my first guest star roles back in the 90s. It was an interesting experience for many reasons. I auditioned and got the job, but on the day I was shooting, I had to have an extra audition just for the ego manacle Martin Lawrence. It was confusing because I had already been given the job, and this was one of my first experiences, so I just went along with it. Then, when we were on set, he yelled at the person bringing him a new water because he had taken a sip out of the last one and had someone following him around with a fan. I had never seen a star treat people so rudely, he continued. He also detailed what it was like shooting the final scene shown in the Instagram post. If you go to his Instagram post, you'll see it. Uh, In the scene, Lawrence is supposed to be uh, beating up a mannequin. But as Williams uh, wrote, out of nowhere... I feel the dummy land on me, and with all of his weight, Martin jumped on me and my head, slammed it to the ground. I was dazed and confused and almost had a concussion. I didn't know what was happening. After the scene ended, Williams wrote that crew members came over to him and helped him to his feet. They said, don't worry about him, you're just being too funny, he continued. During the second take, Williams adjusted his position to be able to see when Lawrence would be coming toward him, but this time Williams wrote, Lawrence punched Williams twice after punching the mannequin. This was my first lesson in my acting career that you need to take care of yourself and speak out when someone does something unprofessional, which I did not, he wrote. I didn't know any better. I'll never forget that day, and as you can tell, I am not a fan of his. Williams also included another incident with Lawrence while Williams was working the entrance at a club owned by his brother-in-law. Lawrence again tried to belittle him, but he was forced to apologize. This isn't the first time stories from the set of Martin have made it to the public, because that's what I was saying about Tisha Campbell. She famously quit acting in the the, um, same scenes with Lawrence after allegations of sexual harassment. Uh, according to iHeartRadio, Lawrence told GQ that he ended Martin in 1997 due to those allegations, and only recently has Campbell and Lawrence uh, been back on speaking terms. So when this happens to you, speak up, male or female. Um, now it's time to speak up because people are being exposed, and it's just not acceptable um, to use your um, influence to uh, harass and hurt and abuse other people who have to work with you or for you. Uh, A woman gave birth birth to a baby uh, that was so big. I'm talking about the size of a three-year-old. That's how big the baby is. Can you imagine that? No, I know you can't. So, now, this was May, I think it was like a couple of days ago. She gave birth to the baby that's already the size of a three-year-old. The baby uh, is 5.6K. 
kilograms. Uh, so that's already the size of a three-year-old. Uh, she's taking the social media to show off her whopping 5.6 kilogram baby, which has been described as already the size of a three-year-old. Viewers were left truly stunned after seeing the size of the mother's newborn in a video online. Uh, they're in uh, England. Her video was in response to a question from one person who asked, I want to see who had the biggest baby. Whoever sees this video, tell me the weight of your biggest baby. So, this mother, her name is uh, Erica Silenceweber. She responded to the request saying she was due to have a C-section due to the size of her baby, but went into labor a day early. So everyone keeps tagging her, she said, and telling her that she should do it. At 37 weeks, she said she went in for an ultrasound, and her son was already weighing in at 9.15 ounces. So they scheduled a C-section, but she ended up being put into labor the day before the C-section and still went with the C-section because the doctor highly advised that and that the baby was 12 pounds, 6 ounces. Uh, on the video, you'll see, which has attracted more than 6 million views, with one joking that the baby should already be paying taxes. Bro came out with a whole credit score, one person wrote. That's amazing. Um, you know, this missing Army veteran, she was last seen 12 years ago, and uh, nobody has seemed to find out what has happened. She, uh, she went missing at a Virginia gas station with her nephew. Um, authorities are asking for the public's help in solving the mystery of what happened to her uh, 12 years ago. Uh, so now surveillance cameras did show that Hattie Gertrude Brown and her nephew Derek in her silver Volkswagen Jetta at the Sheets gas station in South Boston at the intersection of Route 501 and Route 58 around 2.30 a.m. on May 16th in 2009. Twelve years is long enough. I mean, it seems like they would try and do something more. Maybe this is a cold case now. They need to seem to open it. Um, the police are just asking uh, for that one courageous person to come forward with information finding her. Uh, it, it would provide considerable closure and peace to the family who has now spent more than a decade suffering from not knowing uh, what's happened to her. Um, her sisters, uh, uh, they told the press that it was unusual for the Army veteran of Operation Desert, Desert Storm to be out so late. They think Derek called her and asked her for a ride. I think she did what anyone in my family uh, would do, said her sister, and that's go help. Uh, her family member, and I think when she got there, it turned out not to be what she thought it would be, but she went ahead and helped him with the ride. Brown's car was discovered in July 2009 after it had been torched and abandoned behind an old barn in Halifax County along the Virginia-North Carolina line and about 15 miles from where she was last seen at the gas station. So investigators have called Derek Brown a person of interest. Uh, in 2019 and said he was in prison for a 2016 burglary and assault. Officials have previously called the lack of cooperation from people who might have information about Brown's whereabouts a roadblock uh, in this investigation. And it's, and it's very sad. She, troopers described Brown as a black female, 5 feet 4 inches tall, weighing 155 pounds. She was last seen wearing a sleeveless top with pants that had stripes on them. Okay, so... Um, 
she left her home without her purse or her medication so something definitely has happened to her so if anyone has any um, idea or thoughts about what may have happened to her um, please call um, the local authorities in that state over 80% of Japanese um, are opposing the Olympics um, this summer they're not into it uh, because of the pandemic, uh, they just feel like uh, this is not a time that so many people uh, should be clustered together. And that's over 80% of the population are saying that. Um, so the latest survey uh, came after Japan expanded a coronavirus state of emergency Friday as the nation battles a fourth wave of virus infections. The surge has put pressure on the country's health care system with medical professionals repeatedly warning about shortages and burnout. Uh, so the weekend survey by the Ashahi Shimbun Daily newspaper found 43% of responders want the games canceled and 40% want to further postpone them. Those figures are up from 35% who backed cancellation in the survey by the paper a month ago and 34% who wanted a further delay. Only 14% support holding the games this summer is scheduled down from 28 according to the poll of 1,527 replies from 3,191 telephone calls. So um, you did hear about um, Bill Mayhar, right? Bill Mayhar, um, he has tested positive for COVID-19, even though he's been fully vaccinated. He's gotten both his vaccinations, and then now he's tested positive for COVID. Um, it, it, it was for, he was forced; they were forced to shut down home box office to cancel uh, the tapings. In a statement, home box office confirmed the, um, test, that he tested positive during the weekly PCR testing while stating he is fully vaccinated and as a result uh, is asymptomatic and he feels fine. So, you know, it's a lot of people that are asymptomatic. So you know, that's why it's important to wear your mask because you don't know who's not asymptomatic. Um, and asymptomatic, if you don't know what that means, they carry the virus but show no signs. They have no coughs. No, uh, they keep their taste, um, they keep their smells, um, they're not, the nose is not dripping, they have no fevers, so, but they pass the virus on. So, uh, he tested positive, uh, and they have rescheduled, um, real time with Bay Mayor, with Bill Mayer, uh, at another time. You know, the witness, uh, in, uh, George Floyd's trial, uh, he, uh, is getting, like, some some um praise you know because a lot he's him and the girl who videotaped it um of George Floyd's death have been getting death threats uh, the girl who videotaped it she found there was a dead pig's head on her um doorstep you know um so many racists out here um uh, but a seal beach tourist a Charles McMillan he was strolling down Main Street uh, this month wearing his distinctive white frame glasses. A couple stopped to greet him. 
Oh, they just wanted to thank me for my testimony, McMillian explained with a shrug as he took a seat outside Old Town Cafe. A few months ago, the 61-year-old man was just another man in the crowd and like so many struggling to get by. Then on March 31st, millions around the globe saw his riveting eyewitness account of George Floyd's horrific death. As McMillian puts it now, when I cried, the whole world cried with me. That night, in his Seal Beach apartment, Richard Glassman was one of those people. Watching the evening news, McMillian's tears moved him to tears as well. I could tell he'd had a hard life, but he still had the power and love to do the right thing, said Glassman, also 61. I told my wife I want to give him a vacation. And this is what he did. He treated him to a vacation and gave him money um, and this is just a kind thing to do for a person who was trying to do the right thing so he said after a little detective work Richard Glassman tracked down uh, McMillan from his Facebook page uh, and then on April 20th the day the jury found Derek Chabon guilty on all counts Glassman uh, sent an invitation to Charlie McMillan in his, uh, via his messenger and said your dad is a great human being my hero Glassman wrote I live in Seal Beach California we would love to fly your dad out here for a vacation because he, uh, he found his son on the Facebook page he didn't actually find him so his son uh, Charlie didn't quite know what to make of it and so he said he blew it off. Then a few days later, he mentioned the note to his father, who reacted uh, with greater enthusiasm and said, text him right now that I'll come. And Charles McMillian, that's how he remembered it. So he procrastinated. And um, McMillian said he stood there and looked over his shoulder until he did it. Once they all communicated, Glassman extended the offer to the younger McMillian. On Wednesday, May 5th, the two, father and son, landed at Long Beach Airport. It was Charlie McMillian's first flight, and neither McMillian had ever before seen the ocean. So that was their first priority. It was really exciting, the big waves and stuff, Charles McMillian said. For the next week, the father and son traveled in style on the Glassman's dime, cruising the coastline in a rented Mustang convertible, relaxing at an oceanfront Sunday beach hotel, shopping for souvenirs, and sampling. He said it cost us a fortune, but it's worth it, Glassman said. The unlikely friendship between Richard Glassman and Charles McMillian now begins with very different backstories. Glassman, he grew up in a suburban Yonkers, New York. Nobody in his high school was black, he said. He said he spent a lot of his life prejudiced without realizing it. He said he was one of those, <clears throat> I don't believe in white privileged people. And after graduating from the University of South Florida with a degree in criminal justice, Glassman moved to Southern California in 1984 with the plans of joining a police department. Instead, he managed the Los Angeles BMW dealership for years. In 2007, Glassman decided to pursue his original dream and became a sworn officer, landing at Ventura Youth Correctional Facility. He found it fulfilling to work with young people whose futures had been you know, bad for them through poverty and gang, gang involvement. He said, you can't rehabilitate someone who has never been habilitated in the first place. You're starting from scratch. 
But in 2014, Glassman was seriously injured by a group of boys who tried to pry a key from his hand. He was awarded a Medal of Valor, but damaged hip and knee kept him from returning to the job that had forever changed his perspective on the justice system. It's absolutely rigged against black people and other minorities, he said. He describes himself as a liberal conservative. While Glassman was um, navigating his middle class childhood in the 60s, McMillian was picking cotton alongside his mother on a sharecropper's farm in Mississippi. He made $13 a day, enough to lure him away from school after only third grade. We were like slaves, McMillian said. We had no running water. The nearest store for miles was on the plantation, so all of our money went right back to the plantation owner. McMillian moved to Minnesota at age 15 to live with his brother. For the next few decades, he survived paycheck to paycheck, scrapping by, you know, by just with low wages. He also struggled with alcohol and drug addiction, but he's been sober for 21 years. Over the decades, partnerships produced eight children. Um, 43 years old to 12 years old. I'm close to all my kids, McMillian said. They're my whole life. McMillian rents a room in a boarding house five blocks from the um, convenience store where Floyd alleg- allegedly passed the $20 counterfeit bill. And then it ended up getting him killed. Drugs, prostitution, everything goes on in my hood, McMillian said. I'd like to get out of it, but I don't make enough money. Fortunately, his son has managed to bypass some of those tribulations. Mostly raised by his mother, the son, Charlie McMillian, a high school football and hockey star, enjoys the benefits of a better education than his dad. He and his longtime girlfriend, parents of three children, recently bought a house outside, outside of Minneapolis. Now that I've seen California, I wish we could move here, he joked, but we're in escrow. The father and son work together at a car wash chain, uh, Charles as a clerk, and Charlie as a supervisor. So that turned out to be a really great story because here's a man who admitted that he was prejudiced and racist his whole life. And when he actually saw with his own eyes the murder of George Floyd, he decided and tracked down the witness, Charles McMillian, who testified and cried on that stage, on that, um, at that trial, who cried on the stand and testified about what he witnessed of this man losing his life, George Floyd. So there are good people in the world. That was a great story. I actually love that story. Uh, COVID is airborne. Scientists are now saying uh, that they know for sure that it's airborne. Uh, a quiet revolution has permeated global health circles. Authorities have come to accept, but many researchers have argued for over a year the coronavirus can spread through the air. Uh, so that's a new acceptance by the World Health Organization and the United, United States Centers for De- Disease Control and Previs- Prevention. And it comes with concrete implications for ventilation systems to be overhauled like public water supplies were in the 1800s after fetid pipes were found uh, to harbor uh, chloria. So cleaner indoor air won't just fight the pandemic, it will minimize the risk of catching flu and other respiratory infections that cost the United States more than $50 billion a, re- a year. Researchers said in a study in the journal Science on Friday, avoiding ger- germs 
and associated sicknesses and productivity losses would therefore offset the cost of upgrading ventilation and filtration in buildings. And this is what they need to do because they have not been cleaning uh, many of the pipes and ventilation systems in apartment buildings, um, um, corporate buildings, even in, in your homes. Oh, so many things that we're just not doing. I mean, the water's not even still clean in Flint, which is a travesty after all of these years. A complete travesty. Um, so, there's been a recall. If you're uh, eating that Jolly Popcorn... Stop eating it. Uh, go to their website and see if on your packet of popcorn, if it has the same serial numbers that have been recalled, uh, then contact the company by email, Twitter, Instagram, and um, make sure that you uh, don't eat it. Uh, also, I wanted to talk about Alzheimer's. And some of the symptoms uh, that could happen uh, with Alzheimer's, but you must realize too that uh, there is no cure uh, for Alzheimer's, but there are things that you can do once you've been diagnosed um, with dementia or Alzheimer's that will help you. And one is to, you know, begin to get your affairs in order. Um, get your banking information in order. Get your um, burial information in order. Anything that uh, your money situations, um, get them in order where you can find someone that you trust and um, they can handle your situations uh, when you won't be able to handle them. This is really important uh, to do right at the onset of um, getting diagnosed with such a terrible disease because, you know, you, you, you can't do anything about it, but you can do something about it, which meaning you can get your affairs in order um, while you can while you're still able to you know um, decipher uh, what it is that you want uh, and who you want uh, handling any of your uh, business uh, as your mind uh, and your your memory uh, begins to fade in some way so and make sure you know this is someone that you know that will you can trust and that will be there for you and knows things that you want you know um, write it down now um, and give it either to a lawyer uh, to hold for you um, or put it in your will um, whatever you need to do in order to 
make your life become a more comfortable situation uh, during uh, that time of such a um, tragic diagnosis. There are so many of us that, um, you know, like at a certain age, this is what happens to so many people. You know, it's funny, um, when I was coming up, they used to always say, um, they didn't put a name on as Alzheimer's or dementia. They were just like, oh, grandpa's old, grandma's old, you know, they forget, um, just took it for granted. But um, now, you know, we know there's a name on it. And even though there's no cure for Alzheimer's, um, but like I said, an early diagnosis does prevent the opportunity, um, uh, it provides for the, the opportunity for the person affected to get their affairs in, the or, in order, including on, on the care they would like to receive, you know, because growing agitation is a sign of Alzheimer's disease. Um, one behavior uh, change uh, indicative of agitation is pacing. Uh, when a person walks back and forth in the same area, usually at an increased speed, Another sign of agitation is sleeplessness or insomnia, uh, which is when a person struggles to fall asleep or to stay asleep. Verbal or physical acts of aggression uh, that weren't previous uh, can also be an early indication of Alzheimer's. Examples can include lashing out at loved ones verbally or trying to physically hurt someone nearby. So look for early signs of agitation or aggression. Uh, and doing nothing can make things uh, actually worse. Um, entertainment. I want to talk about um, Marvin Gaye, my homeboy. Um, you know, Marvin, um, of course, was on the Motown label. And um, when they moved out to California, um Marvin and Barry weren't as close as they used to be because, you know, Marvin used to be married to his sister, Anna Gordy. Um, so, it's been 50 years uh, on the bitter true story of Marvin Gaye's iconic album. Um, what's going on? It's been 50 years. Uh, I remember um, they're saying that um, he had put out that he would never record for Motown again. Uh, and he had told Barry Gordy um, that he refused to release the single, What's Going On, in the summer of 1970. And Barry, who was Gay's brother-in-law at that time, told almost anyone who would listen that he detested Gay's protest song, which he thought was too long, too formless, and not commercial enough to be played on radio. And it turned out to be the number one song. He crafted it at his Detroit studio, known as Hitsville, USA, my hometown. Uh, Gordy was even quoted as describing what's going on as the worst record I ever heard in my life. That was one time he was really wrong, wasn't he? In his memoir, Smokey uh, Robinson, his memoir, Inside My Life, Soul Legend, uh, Smokey, he told Gordy he thought Gay's track was brilliant. And the Motown boss was sure he would talk Gay out of it. That like trying to talk that's like trying to talk a bear out of shitting in the woods, Robinson replied. Marvin ain't budging. 
Gay held firm during a seven-month power struggle that eventually concluded with the hit single becoming the centerpiece of the groundbreaking album What's Going On, which explored the issues of poverty, racial discrimination, environmental destruction, urban decay, police brutality, drug abuse, political corruption, and the devastating effects of the Vietnam War. This album is still an album that we all listen to, and it's still actually sadly still states and goes for for, for today it's this is things that are happening right now is what's happening in Marvin Gaye's song so Gordy might have won the battle of wills had it not been for Harry Balk Motown's, Motown's no-nonsense head of A&R who had once notoriously thrown a tax officer down the stairs of the label's Detroit headquarters doing a row over an audit Balk, who was 91 when he died in 2016, told Detroit News that he received a demo, a 45 pressing of what's going on by mistake. This Marvin Gaye song was mixed in with a stack of other records and just fell on the floor. I loved it and made a tape of it before sending it on. I listened to it over and over and fell more in love with it. I started playing it for people who came into my office. Of course, now everybody will tell you how wonderful they thought What's going on was, but I played it for the hot producers and got nothing but negative opinions. The only one that was really knocked out with it, the only one, was Stevie Wonder. Wow. So many people were wrong, and they never gave up. And that's kind of like how I'm going to end the show today. Never, ever give up. Always keep moving believe in yourself be decisive be decisive right or wrong make a decision the road of life is paved with flat squirrels who couldn't make a right decision time decides who you meet in your life your heart decides who you want in your life and your behavior decides who stays in your life thank you for coming to the amber shows news and entertainment. I'll be back.